Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Conrad Black is with us. Uh, author, commentator, and historian can hardly wait to find out how he feels about this scintillating election campaign. Conrad, how are you this afternoon? I'm fine, thanks, John. How are you? All right. Uh, I just stepped in for my terrace. It's like uh, an August day here. It is, isn't it? Uh, much to be thankful for, and uh, maybe even the uh, election campaign winding down after next week. Are you following this? Because, I mean, the latest has it, the polls anyway, if we go by those, that uh, it looks to be a minority government, liberal minority at this point in time anyway. And uh, there have been op-ed pieces to suggest that that would be disastrous for Canada because uh, a progressive agenda must be acceded to. And, you know, when uh, people like Elizabeth May or uh, Jagmeet Singh have put down markers saying, you know, here are our preconditions for cooperating, I mean, that could be uh, something that takes us deeper into hawk, couldn't it? Yeah, I, that would be a disaster, but I, I, I'm the bearer of, uh, let's say, not good news, but a good, at least a relatively benign possibility. Uh, and this is a really unlikely one, but we've talked about this a few times before. Uh, and Quebec's, uh, when Quebec has a, a French-Quebec liberal federal leader, uh, if it's a person that they really trust and, and respect as a leader, they will give practically everything in Quebec to him, as they did with Sir Wilfrid Laurier, Louis Saint-Laurent, uh, and Ernest Lapointe on behalf of Mr. King, and, and Pierre Trudeau. They, those, those people took virtually everything in Quebec, uh, but not Jean Chrétien and not Justin Trudeau, because Quebec rightly saw that they were not men, I mean, whatever their virtues, they're not men of the stature of the prime ministers or, or Quebec leaders I just mentioned. And and this is popping up again, and we're getting this jump from the Bloc Québécois, like we had for Jack Layton uh, two elections ago, and and, it, and it's an aberration. It's a freak. It won't last. It, it's like social credit in 62, or Mr. Duplessis delivering 50 constituencies for Mr. Diefenbaker in 58. It's a freak, but uh, I mean, a freakish circumstance, but the, the bloc could actually take enough from the liberals <clears throat> to make the conservatives the government. And, and uh, unlike the NDP and the Greens, the bloc Québécois would would support the conservatives over the liberals. So I think it's a minority government. I just wouldn't be so sure. One, I wouldn't be so sure it'll be a liberal minority. I think it may be a conservative one. And two... Well, I, I absolutely abhor the Quebec separatists, and that's basically what the bloc is. I would rather pay some Danegeld to Quebec in infrastructure and things like that than have another lurch to the left in public policy generally dictated by the NDP. And my dear friend, as I've said a number of times in your program, that she is, but is absolutely bats politically, Elizabeth May. <laughs> With Conrad Black. All right, so if this does come to pass, this scenario it plays out, the Bloc Québécois could be uh, the proverbial tail wagging the federal dog. Well, not altogether. I remember, I, I, I'm sorry to admire you and your listeners in so much history, but I remember when I was a uh, uh, a sophomore undergraduate at Carleton University in Ottawa in the early 60s, uh, my 
parents knew Jack Pickersgill, a very prominent liberal for many years, and I encountered him one day and said, how, uh, how are you going to govern in this minority? And at that time, the balance was held by the social credit in Quebec, Credit Israel Coet, and he said, by building the largest post offices in the history of the world in Rouen, Naranda, and Chicoutimi. Well, I, I, mean, I don't mind that kind of stuff. I mean, help, help pay for infrastructure in Quebec, at least it's, you know, a positive, constructive thing. Uh, I would love, we can take that, but what we can't take is another mighty lurch upwards in income taxes and, and regulation and uh, just the policies that the left in this country has to strangle us economically at the very moment that the American economy is just blowing the door the, the doors off the barn. Uh, I mean, they're they're attracting capital from all over the world and no, nowhere more easily than from Canada. Right. But if the bloc then gets their say, uh, there's not going to be any Andrew Shear's dream of an energy corridor coast to coast. That's done. Uh, climate. No, no it, 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 well, I'll tell you what's done. The four-year uh, semi-fixed parliament is done. Andrew Shear gets a few things done that, that, that don't stick in the neck of the bloc. And then he dissolves Parliament and gets a majority, like Mr. Diefenbaker did in 58, or Pierre Trudeau did in 74. I mean, you have to indulge the the minority party supporting uh, a, a government that doesn't have a majority itself for a little bit. But you only have to do it for long enough to convince the voters that you're worth a bet for a full term, and then you take the full term. Right. And then, then you get then you get a full switcheroo on the energy thing. I see. So best case scenario so will be sequencing. I mean, look, every I don't want to sound cynical. Every everyone who studies politics, including you, knows that. All right. Again, uh, I guess it's a minority government uh, that seemingly is going to come to pass, but it'd be preferable to be a conservative one, so it would be, uh, I guess, less deleterious to the country. Yeah, I see. I, as I've said often, I like Justin Trudeau as a person. I think he's, he's a good person, but it's been a terrible government. Now, I'm putting out a piece you see in the National Post in the print edition of it should be up now, but uh, this government, in the last four years, that a majority, that a mandate, that they, they could have done all kinds of things. They wasted our time with nonsense about gender politics. I mean, we all respect the rights of people to their sexuality, and and there are two sexes, and people should sort out their sexuality for themselves. I mean, you don't have to make uh, such a massive issue about it. Uh, secondly, they've gone completely over the top on climate change, which may be happening, but we don't know how or why or to what extent. And and the rest of it is native issues that they've made even worse than they were before. I mean, the, how can we spend these billions of dollars without raising the standard of living of the natives? That's what every one wants to know, including the natives. Again, with Conrad Black, author, commentator, and historian. Uh, speaking of climate change, and I know this one always gets you going, so I wanted to get your opinion on this. Uh, well, there was an op-ed piece in the Post today. I guess it was uh, co-opted from the Washington Post that Greta Thunberg was overlooked. This is a 16-year-old Swedish girl who's uh, been a rallying post for uh, climate activism. Uh, she was overlooked for the Nobel Peace Prize, the argument being that, of course, there's a link between climate change and conflict. Ergo, she's deserving. Uh, it went instead to, I guess, the Prime 
prime minister of Ethiopia uh, for actually addressing the conflict with Eritrea for the last two or uh, three decades. The foreign minister, I believe, but and he did stop at what has been a terrible amount of bloodletting. Right. So uh, Greta's overlooked. Uh, some people, it's well, it, it, it's it slightly restores my faith in the uh, <laughs> Norwegian Nobel Committee because they've handed that prize out to a lot of totally undeserving people from from Lee Duck to Ducky, as Mr. Nixon called them, to uh, uh, to uh, uh, Al Gore. Uh, I mean, uh, one climate change we we really don't know about. Two global warming is not happening, which is the, the factor that has got the climate change movement so worked up they're pushing the children of the world out like robots to shame and terrorize and inconvenience us and and uh and three whatever is happening with the climate doesn't have a damn thing to do with the nobel peace prize or what they're supposedly espousing all right uh while you're emphatic about that by the way i don't know if you saw donald trump's rally in minneapolis last night but he was in high dungeon uh basically teeing off uh, where he actually said, and I'm paraphrasing now, but real close, uh, the only reason Joe Biden was ever the vice president uh, was because he was willing to kiss Barack Obama's ass. He said that, quote-unquote, uh, and he was, as I say, uh, really, really very strident in his uh, approach, but he says... It's damned amusing, though. Yeah, it is. It's a, a carnival show for sure, but nonetheless, I mean, the underlying, uh, I guess, theme is that he says he's trying to drain the swamp. Do you believe he is legitimately trying to drain the Washington? Yes, I think so. I, I, I think he's doing his best, and he's doing it one stage at a time. He took the Republican nomination, then he won the election, then he finally got control of the Republican Party in Washington. The Congressional Party just sat in their hands for the first six months waiting to see if he'd be impeached or not. He got his tax cuts through. He's done what he can do on the executive side by deregulating. Uh, he, he saved the United States from the green terror with that nonsense in Paris. He's renegotiating the trade agreements. He's got it done with Mexico and Canada. He's cut the illegal immigration by over 60 percent. I mean, he's, he's doing what he said he'd do. And, and the desperation of the Democrats is demonstrated by this nonsense of Ukraine. We now see that the whistleblower, who isn't a whistleblower at all, of course, he's just a leaker uh, who, who operated on hearsay about a conversation, the transcript of which the president made public as soon as it became a contested issue. And, and uh, we now know that the so-called whistleblower, the leaker, was actually uh, a, a something of an underling of Biden's in, in his in his political operation, well, they, 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 the Democrats must be out of their minds trying to put nonsense like this across. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll continue to follow the bouncing ball. It's always a pleasure. Have a great long holiday weekend, Conrad. Talk next week. Right, you are. Thanks, John. All the best to you and your listeners. Thank you, Conrad Black, author, commentator, and historian. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.